Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Create Strength. Struggle Create Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are bringing on 21-year-old McKenna Colleen. McKenna is spectacular. Just end it there, leave it there. She is amazing. And the conversation that we got to have was really special. It was one that I personally related to a lot and also one that put some of my own struggles into perspective. And I think that's something great that always comes from every single podcast is that we can not only relate, but we can also find new perspective on our own life, on our own struggles and on our own journey. And I think that's something that's so special to really take from every single episode that we see and every single person that we have on the podcast and McKenna speaks exactly to that. Her story was amazing. And she's one who, to say the least, is nothing, nothing shy of strong. Like she is so, so strong and a person that, a person that truly and genuinely really does just wanna help others. When I first met her and when I first talked to her, you could tell how invested she was in just helping other people. She wants to help other people. She's eager to help other people, other people. And that's ultimately why she came on the podcast. She's going to talk a lot about her battle with all forms of mental health struggles and how she attempted to take her own life. She's going to talk about some, some deep and dark topics, but all for the sake of helping other people. And I think that's what's so powerful. And you'll even see on this episode, she never wipes a smile off her face, which is spectacular. And that's that's even just such a testament to how far she's come herself. And I can I can only imagine the work and the effort that she put in to get where she is today. But with all that being said, I truly do hope that everyone enjoys this episode and I do encourage you to reach out to McKenna and have some form of conversation with her because she is, again, she's spectacular. And before I do jump right into this episode though, I do have to say again, a big, big thank you to all of those that are helping in multiple different ways. And one, posting, sharing, <laughs> doing everything that you possibly can to get Struggle Create Strength um, growing and reaching new people because the more people that it reaches means the more people that it helps. And a second thank you to all those that are donating to the, episode, or to the podcast and the platform and helping new stories be put out. Again, it's no secret that all of this does cost money. So you helping and you making all of this possible is spectacular and I truly can't thank you enough. So now let's jump into McKenna Colleen's story. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, I am so excited for this podcast. I've been looking forward to it all week and to actually line it up, set it up and to have you come on. I'm, I'm just thrilled. I think it's going to be amazing. Me too. Thank you so much again, Lucas, for having me on. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and just share my story with everyone watching. Of course. Yeah, no, of course. And hopefully, I mean, I don't know. I saw some weird things and 
I always want to kind of veer away from all the COVID talk, but I have to bring this up because I saw some weird stuff on the news or social media, something. I think you might've even posted, I don't know, but in Ontario, there is something that apparently like things started to open up a little bit or am I totally offside? <laughs> totally wrong. Uh, that is totally wrong. Actually, things are going to be probably shutting down even more. Um, oh. being I pick up meaning non-essential um, and stuff like that. So I went to the grocery, not the grocery store, Walmart the other day to buy some pillows because we just moved um, and we need pillows for our bed, obviously. And those were not essential. I could not buy those. So I had to place an order online, wait a couple of days, go pick them up. <laughs> and then we had pillows for our bed to sleep on. But I mean, hey, what's essential to one person could be non-essential to another. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's offline there. Um, but our provincial government did come out and say that they really messed up uh, with the measures that they took within the past two weeks. Uh, that's what I was talking about on my story, just because they yeah. did uh, that they were going to allow police officers to pull over any random vehicle or stop any biker, walker, whoever was outside of their home and be allowed to card them and ask why they had left their home. And I mean, there's that's against our charter of rights. There's just so many issues there. There's racial issues. There's just like inequality, so many issues there. Um, and our government did come out a week later and say like, hey, we're sorry we did that. Um, but 24 hours that announcement uh, was stated, all police forces across Ontario said, hey, we're not gonna do this. Um, we don't agree with this. So just be chill. Um, and then that's why they came out and said, hey, never mind." <laughs> Yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's what I saw. I was, I was so mistaken. But that is, it's obviously, it's good that they're kind of doing that and not, because like you said, it's a, it definitely is against your rights. And it's like, what did you do when you couldn't get pillows? You just sleep with sweaters under you? Or what did you do? Ouch pillows would suffice for a little bit. Um, but all they were selling was food and personal products and the electronic session could only sell batteries. Like I couldn't even get windshield washer fluid for my car. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's really upsetting and it's really discouraging, um, to try and feel like we're going to be out of this anytime soon, because it feels like we, especially in Ontario, we're locked down for four weeks. We're open for two weeks. We're locked down for six weeks. We're open for two weeks. So it's just, they're really toying with us right now. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, no, I bet. And I guess for those that will be listening, like you're in Ontario, um, in Ottawa actually. And I just, yeah, I, I'm very, I feel very fortunate when you talk about that just to be where I'm at and see, Cause like there's so many people here that are complaining about our measures, but it's nothing like that. So I think that'll definitely, there's people that are listening from where I'm at. Oh, what? Sorry. Sorry. You guys have gyms still, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all kind of kiboshed here, which is really upsetting for me. Cause that's my escape now. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it, it's nice from our perspective, I guess. And from my perspective, cause I'm the same way. I don't know. It would just, it would be a lot different. And I can see how it definitely deteriorates people's mental health when all these measures come into play. And when you can't go to the gym, when you can't go get those things that you do deem as essential, when you can't have pillows on your bed, like 
that's that's stuff that affects you mentally and i just i can't wait for the time when things can kind of clear up and things can start to get back to normal or whatever we deem as our new normal but at least where we can leave our houses and where we can go and do our essential stuff i couldn't agree more yeah to really see what this new normal is gonna succumb to or what it will be eventually um but I'm looking forward to that day to say the least Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely now with all of our COVID talk kind (laughs) of out of the way I I think it's best that we do jump into you and your story and obviously why you chose to to say yes to come on the podcast, why you chose to come speak and share your story on Struggle Create Strength. Yeah, of course. Um, so do you want me to just get right into it kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I think would be best. So I'll just give a little preface to everyone uh, listening. My name is Makita. Like Luke said, I'm from Ottawa, Ontario. I am 21, turning 22 in May. Um, I'm super passionate about mental health, fitness, um, more so in the mental health realm being eating disorders and depression, because that is something that I have personally struggled with a lot. Um, My story starts with, I was born in a small town outside of Ottawa, Ontario. A very small town is called Elmont. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Um, but I loved growing up there. I had a great childhood, to say the least, from what I remember. Um, But with that being said, everyone thought I had a good childhood and everyone thought my family was this picture perfect family um, with a boy and a girl and two happy parents working their jobs. Um, But it's a very different picture behind closed doors sometimes. And that was the picture for me. I grew up with my dad being an alcoholic and a drug addict my entire childhood. Um, And my mom was just really trying to hide that from my brother and I. So I thought we were this perfect, happy-go-lucky family, did no wrong. Um, But I was really being deceived at the time I was young. But looking back, I mean, God bless her for doing that because I don't know how different I would be if I saw some of the things that my dad was doing. Um, Ultimately, that ended in my parents getting a divorce because my dad had to go to rehab for his substance abuse issues. He was drinking until I was about three years old, but then once he stopped that, he started doing drugs. Um, So it was just one vice to another. And I mean, you name it, he took it. So it was really tough on my family, financially, mentally, emotionally, my parents' relationship, my relationship with my father. Um, He wasn't around all the time. He was out partying or out with his friends or just doing the things that he did. Um, So I never got to have that relationship really with him. And the memories that I do have with him are just really, really good because those were the only times that he was around. Um, And after my parents divorced, I didn't see my dad for three years because he was trying to get better and trying to get sober and clean. Um, And all the respect to him for that. But it did really have an effect on my life. You know, my parents getting a divorce and then I don't see my dad anymore. And I'm moving three hours away from this town that I grew up in. And that was really hard on me as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old girl um, to be pulled from everything that you know, to be pulled from your father who you didn't even know was having these issues. 
And then at that time that we were moving and all this stuff was happening, my three-year-old brother was diagnosed with something called interdeception, uh, which is where your small intestine is inside your large intestine. And ultimately it just swells to the point of blood clots. You can't digest and you die. Um, and so they couldn't figure it out at first while we were in the hospital with my brother. My mom's still de dealing with all divorce while her ex-husband's in rehab. So it's just pretty crazy at this point. And me being nine, I'm still going to school. I'm still, my brother's dying in the hospital. I don't have a dad. My single mom's working all these jobs, trying to provide for her dying son in the hospital and her daughter at home. And so not at the time, it seemed like a tough environment for me because my mom really took the world on her shoulders and made it seem like everything was okay. But what I experienced later on in life was me trying to get through that trauma of when I was younger. And ultimately my brother found, the doctors found a cure for him, which was performing immediate surgery. So he had to be flown um, to sick kids in Toronto if you, if you've ever heard of that hospital, it's a major hospital, uh, but they saved my brother's life. So that was a huge moment in my life. I got to have my brother home again. I got to not be a single child again. Um, and just kind of go through that process of not having our dad and navigating this new town and navigating new schools and stuff, but have that with my brother again. And once I was going to all these new schools and meeting all these new people and getting older and going through puberty, um, I decided that I didn't like myself and I didn't know why, but I didn't know if it was society's image that they portrayed to what women should be like. And that wasn't me. I wasn't always like the skinny, tiny, prettiest girl coming into high school. And that made me feel really insecure. And it's not like I had anyone really around me that was telling me, oh, like, don't listen to that. Don't worry about that. It's okay. So I thought, okay, well, like I need to like get involved with these popular people and I need to start becoming friends with them and I need to start acting kind of what they're doing and maybe I'll feel better. Maybe I'll fit in. Maybe that will kind of fix what I feel is missing inside of me. And that's ultimately what I was just trying to fill was this void that I had from all this past trauma in my life that I never really opened up to anyone or explained to anyone. And then that's when I got in with a really, really bad crowd in high school that was drinking and partying and I wasn't focusing on school like I was that was the last thing on my mind I was worried about and I was super rebellious towards my mom who had given me this amazing life despite the circumstances that she had also gone through um and so down that path led to a lot of depression for me and with that depression was just more drinking and more partying and more friends because more friends means more fun. And that means I'm not sad. Um, but then I also got addicted to taking painkillers that those friends had or antidepressants that those friends had or anti-anxiety medication. And that was something as a teenage girl, you should never be introduced to. 
And I was introduced to that at a very, very young age. And so I thought that would fix me. I thought that would heal me. I thought that was the answer. And I just continued down that path, honestly, for a really long time. And my mom, we had a couple fallouts just because she was trying to help me and trying to point me in the right direction um, and telling me those friends weren't really friends and they were just using me and I was just making bad decisions around them. But I always would say to her, like, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, you have no idea what I'm going through. But she did. At one point, like she was a teenage girl. She's probably dealt with something in her life. Not exactly the same thing I was going through, but she knew what she was talking about. And I just couldn't listen. And so I decided, you know what? I haven't seen my dad in a really long time. I'm going to see what he's doing in Ottawa. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to go stay there for a little bit. That was probably the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life because I was depressed. I was running away from my emotions. I was running away from someone who was trying to help me. I was just running away from myself, honestly. And that's what I was trying to do with like drinking or pill use or hanging out with friends or just like I was suppressing all these emotions and when I was like oh I'm gonna go see my dad I was just running away from that emotion of getting into a fight with my mom and so when I went to see my dad I just made friends in Ottawa and reconnected with the friends that I had in Ottawa from when I went to school here so I wasn't actually spending time with my dad I was just running away from my mom and that led to even more partying and even more drinking and because my dad didn't know there was really an issue going on at home because he didn't have that communication with my mom and I got to a point of my drinking and my depression where I was like you know what like this is fine this is okay and I completely accepted it and everyone around me was the crazy person because they were telling me that something I had totally accepted and totally thought was okay was wrong. And in an addict's eyes and in someone who can't see the world clearly when they're going through all that stuff, they think that anyone that's telling them differently is wrong or the bad person, or they just need to push them away out of their life. At this point, I, my mom ended up getting me to come back home with her and she kind of worked me back um, my dad drove me back to her and then it was time for me to go off to university. And now this was a really scary time, obviously, with how rebellious I was in high school. We were even shocked I got into university, to say the least. Um, and my mom was terrified because she knew what university is for some kids. It's just everything I was doing in high school tenfold. Mm -hmm. um, and with people you don't know and with drugs you're not used to and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And while I was at school, I had actually gotten into a relationship with a guy that I was partying with in Ottawa. And so I decided that my program in 
Toronto. I'm sorry, I don't know if I said that. I went to school in Toronto. Um, my program in Toronto wasn't for me anymore because I was going to switch to Ottawa and we were going to live this super happy life with this boyfriend that I had only known for a month in Ottawa. And so that for me was a really hard decision because I was moving away again. My mom lives close to Toronto, so she was close to me. Um, and I was moving away from her and I was just thinking, trying to get away from that situation again. Um, but with a guy that I loved and with someone that cared for me, but was just basically feeding my partying habits, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so that became a very, very toxic relationship for me um, to the point, well, for both of us, you could say we were both toxic people in each other's lives because I was a very toxic person at that time as well, um, just from my habits and everything. But it was so bad. There was a lot of emotional abuse. There was physical abuse. Uh, he had broken the windshield of my car when I picked him up drunk one night. Um, there was just a lot of scary situations like that, that I thought were normal because I didn't have a manly figure in my life to be like, no, like that's not how relationship works. And like, he doesn't love you. And I thought any relationship that I wasn't fighting in was boring because there was just no conflict. And that's what I knew because that's all I had and I didn't have anyone to tell me different. So I thought that was completely healthy. And that relationship caused a very deep hole in my heart because I was like, is it me that's causing this? Is it my lack of having a dad that's causing this? Is it my depression? Is it my drinking? Is it my like pill use? Like what is it? And it was, I constantly blamed myself. And I was like, oh, this is me. Like this all happened because of me. Like I am the one that's drinking. I'm the one that's using these, like these substances. I'm the one that's going out partying and not studying and not caring about my future because I don't think I'm going to have one. And it was just really that lack of self-awareness for me. Um, and the lack of confidence and love I had for myself, there was none there. I had no love for myself. I was being abused and manipulated in this relationship. I was abusing and manipulating my body through substance and alcohol abuse. And I did not want to become this person because of who my dad was. But here I am now, just the same person. And that realization for me pushed me off the cliff and just pushed me off a breaking point. And I tried to commit suicide. And when, so I OD'd on pills and I don't remember much of it. So I can't really speak to much of it um, from my memory, but from what people have told me, this is the scenario. Um, but my dad had found me at my Ottawa apartment because one of my friends had gotten in contact with him just saying that they haven't heard from me all day. We were supposed to have plans. And so my dad had a key. He came in and he found me and he ultimately called 911. And then I went to the hospital. I like, performed CPR. I had my stomach pumped everything. 
And when I woke up, both my parents were in the room. My mom had already driven down from Toronto super quickly. And there was a doctor there. And that's my doctor now, Dr. Tiffany. Um, and he had been the person that had really helped me um, out of a lot of these struggles just because I didn't have a doctor in the Ottawa area while all this thing was going on. Um, so he took me on as a patient after this. Um, and once I woke up in the hospital that day, everything just stopped for me. I didn't want to drink again. I didn't want to hang out with those friends again. I had ended my relationship with that boyfriend. I, it was just, it was basic, it was a point of life or death, basically, I guess you could say. Um, and in that moment, I was like, you know what? No, I choose me for once in my life. I'm gonna not choose alcohol. I'm gonna not choose the suppressants. I'm gonna not choose those friends or those people that don't love me. I'm gonna choose me. And I'm always gonna choose me from now on out because this is fucking scary and I don't want to go. <laughs> and so it took like, that was four years ago. And it seems like 20, 30 years ago for me, because I feel like I've evolved so much as a human being since I hit that rock bottom. And since I hit that huge struggle in my life and all through high school, I mean, there was different things I was dealing with, like eating disorders and like anxiety and depression and yes, but it was that suicidal moment and that waking up in a hospital bed with every, all tubes coming out of you and your family not knowing if you were going to make it, like just seeing both my parents for the first time in years sitting together crying. And I did that. And I don't ever want to do that again. And I don't ever want to feel this way again. And so it's just, how do I go up from here? Mm -hmm. And it, for me, it was accepting the help I always thought I didn't need. And whether that be from a therapist or from a doctor or from my mom, I always was pushing someone away because I got it. I'm fine. I know myself better than you know me. Don't worry. And that's how I played it off my entire life until that rock bottom when I wasn't fine and I wanted to die. And so I really wanted to come on here and share my story because as much as you think it's not going to get better, it does. And I know that from experience and from working with multiple doctors and multiple therapists and slowly getting back on um, a reasonable amount of anti-anxiety medication and antidepressant medication, because I do need that mentally for me to function, but not abusing it the way I was before and having counselors help me to not abuse it the way I was before. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to describe, to describe the feeling I have now with opening up and telling everyone my story as opposed to what I had before. Bottling everything inside was not doing anything for me. Like, and I don't think it does anything for anybody. And once I finally exploded and cracked that bottle open, it was so healing internally, mentally, physically, 
um, that I'm so glad that I went through that to become this person and this strong human being who I am today. And that was one of the things that my doctor said to me when I was in the hospital room that day was this is not the end of your story. You are here for a reason and you are here because you are going to help so many other people who will experience this one day by sharing your story. And I felt so compelled when you reached out to me because I was like, yes, this is it. Like this is exactly what my doctor was saying. And it's kind of funny how those two worlds sort of align in a sense, even though I was like, at the time I was like, you're crazy. You have no idea. (laughs) Like no one's going to benefit from this. People are just going to think like, I have mental health issues and I'm crazy. And that was the stigma I had around it back then. And I don't have any stigma about mental health or trauma or what you've experienced in your life now. Like I'm the least judgmental person about any of that because I know you have to open up and share your shit to get through it and that's why I want to talk about it and I want other people to talk about it because you are never going to get better just sitting there just thinking it to yourself and just telling it to yourself and not reaching out for help and I know it's really 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 scary reaching out for help but therapists and people in those positions aren't there to judge you. And that was something that I learned the really hard way after not going for a long time. Um, And I still work with my therapist, Jade, after four years. She's amazing. I love her. But I was terrified to go talk to her because I'm like, oh my God, you're just going to go home and you're going to tell your family how (laughs) the patient is and all this stuff. And she's like, No, like she is just, I like to explain a therapist. They're just a third party out of your life that has no, like here, like hearsay in a situation. And they are just giving a third party unbiased opinion about your life. They're not there to say you're wrong for doing this. You're wrong for doing that. You should have never done that. They're like, okay, cool. I get it. But like, why don't you look at it this way next time? And you're like, okay, yeah, that's a good point. Um, And to me, that's not ever what therapy was like marketed as or told to me in school. And that's another thing is I feel that we don't talk about it enough in schools and with younger ages. And even in high school, it was never, mental health was never a topic in my phys ed class when we were learning about health and overall health. And my huge saying is mental health is physical health because when I did not have good mental health, I was drinking, I was binge eating. I like had no nutrition benefits. I like was just, my body was giving up on me. I was overweight. Like I was not healthy. And so I feel that we need to push in our society nowadays, especially to younger generations that mental health is your physical health and that's so important to remember mm-hmm. i you absolutely wow <laughs> wow <clears throat> excuse me wow oh my gosh you oh, like I, that is I, <laughs> yeah you gotta rehydrate oh my gosh um yeah that is 
because like obviously when we spoke last week you explained a little bit of it and yeah got into some of the little details about your story but hearing it in its full entirety and even just diving down into those deep depths of it and really being able to even just connect and feel those things that you encountered and what you went through is like, I feel very honored. Like, I, that's, a, that's the best way to say it. Um, I, I have me on here. Like I feel <laughs> that I can just open up and share that to anyone who needs it. If it's one person, if it's a hundred people, Hey, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I love that. But though, like you, like one thing that I really, really resonated and felt with so much. And it brought me back into a place of my own past was when you, you talked about having basically seeing that look on both your parents' faces and seeing them both crying out of just because of your struggle and what you encountered. And that, to me, that hit home so much because I remember I remember those faces. I remember those, those feelings and it's, it's awful. And it's something that you don't ever want anybody to experience. And I think that's part of the way that we kind of channel our stories and why we choose to speak up about our, our past and why we choose to speak up about mental health and the struggles that we have encountered. And, and some of these hard to talk about topics because it's, it's really real. And it's important that the people that are listening know, like, this is what it's like. Like, this is yeah. what it's really, really like. And that's why I was, when I came up with this idea and I wanted to share these stories and having, like, bringing you on, I wanted to show the raw footage of what it's like, you know? And I wanted to, like, <laughs> I wanted to get right down into that, the nitty gritty topics of just like, this is it. This is what it's really like, because so many times people can sugarcoat it and they can almost fabricate. Okay. Well, yeah, this is what it's kind of like, or that's what it's kind of like. And this kind of just nips it. Cause it's, it's a real story. It's a real person, real struggles that have been had. Like your story is it's real. Like it's fucking real. And like, I still yeah. like that's the thing is that it's also not just like okay like I went to therapy I like took some meds I'm done I'm so much better like life is good like I still have horrible days mm-hmm. but the thing that gets me through those days is knowing I got through the worst day of my life when I wanted to kill myself mm-hmm. and I'm like if I got through that I'm like shit girl you can get through anything like keep going Mm-hmm. And that is just what pushes me, what drives me. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. You just, you just hit the nail on the head with that one. You just gave me like goosebumps, chills, everything, because you, you literally just explained my life in a T like, that's what I do as well. Like anytime. Okay. Actually, I first, I got to back check a little step. So <laughs> all the time, what happens is people do think that they think that you go, you discover that you have some form of mental health struggle. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to therapy. And then after therapy, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll be 
taking meds at the same time. And then after all of that, after a few months, I'll be good and I'll be totally happy. And I'm the best person in the whole wide world. And I'm going to be the happiest person in the world. And that is so far from the truth, like so far from the truth. Like I've even for myself, like I've encountered or I've gone to therapy for years, like years. And I've taken meds. I've done like so many different things for myself. And even still, like every single day, I'm doing stuff to better myself. But it doesn't mean my life is perfect and that I never have a single struggle. Like every single day, it seems like there's a struggle that comes my way. Every single day, there's something that stands in my way. And I have to remind myself of what I've been through, what I've overcome and realize that I'm stronger now than I was, I once was. And even in some of my, when days really take a deep dive, I think that's when I, I do the same sort of thing. And I reflect back on that worst moment of my life. And I say, if you've gone through that, you can get through this. It's not that bad. And it helps like as twisted as it kind of seems, it really does help. It does. I know. I completely agree. I use it all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I, yeah, I, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it though. I think it's, it's a great indicator just to prove how strong you really are. And for me, it's just proof that my struggles really did create a hell of a lot of strength. And I mean, when I sit here and I hear you tell your story and I hear the struggles that you've encountered and just what you have had to go through in your life from a very young age, like that is stemming from a very young age. And like, (laughs) I always kind of say, but when you encounter, when you're somebody that's encountered those forms of struggles at such a young age, you, you can only sympathize for yourself at that age, because most people, when you're that young, like your biggest worry is who you're going to play with on the playground. (laughs) Like, honestly, right. Oh, true. Like, and I was the first person out of all my friends to have their parents go through a divorce, let alone they knew what the heck was going on at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, oh, wow. Like your parents are getting divorced. Like, okay. Like, and then it was just like, let's all go play. Like, because that was, it was just not a thing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, looking back, um, I just want to hug that little girl and just be like, I'm so sorry for the shit you went through. Cause as much as like, sorry, my dog's coming up here (laughs) as much as like, I wish my parents like could have educated me more on what actually happened and not hit it so much from me. So I wouldn't have all these questions later on in life and all this confusion later on in life. I'm really thankful. Like I said, at the beginning to not have gone through what so many other children are going through and experience. And that's the thing is like, we have so many mental health issues in our society from what we're not dealing with as kids. And that's why I believe that mental health education needs to start with children. Mm-hmm. I, I, you just, <laughs> it frustrates me so much because it's so true. And it's, oh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating because I like, even 
for my brother is only 12 and it's so it's so tough because I even when I was like when I was 14 was when I started going through like some really deep depression and that is so scary for me because in the past seven years of my life nothing's changed within our education system not one single thing has changed and so that's what's scary is because I look at it and I'm like okay so what's going to be like seven years from today are things going to be the exact same and there's going to be no form of health like one of my most frustrating things is that we bring in there's always every single year there's sex ed education like sexual education and that's just like either um it's typically like for a couple days like somebody will come in and they'll do these seminars or whatever right you run through like a form of course and I'm just I sit there and I'm boggled because it's like obviously that's very important and that's something that teaches you a lot and it's important to be educated on that but how are we not talking about our everyday mental well-being in the school system like we love to we love to have all of these like even when you talk about forms of electives such as like cooking class and sewing class and all this stuff it's like that's amazing but like where's a mental health class of some sort or like in it's just it it doesn't make sense (laughs) oh I have a 16 year old brother so I completely agree with that it's just looking at what he's going through in school, I'm like, oh, nothing's changed, but our society has changed so mm-hmm. much. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel that the curriculum does need to follow with that. Mm-hmm. And also just, I feel like the next generation coming up, I feel like they're, they're going to say something about mental health because I feel like we've become more aware now and destigmatized along the topic as opposed to our parents generation where like I know my grandpa would tell my dad like oh boys don't cry like just get over it you're fine uh don't worry about it you're not sad you're not depressed you're not anxious you have nothing to be depressed about in your life um but that's that's just not it anymore like I Mm -hmm. have a six-year-old like my boyfriend's niece our niece Mm -hmm. she even come and she's like well, I get this sick feeling in my stomach when I go to school and like these girls look at me mean and I'm like, yeah, like that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, her mom will be like, oh no, 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 don't tell her that. And I'm like, that's okay. Like, that's okay to have that though. Like she just needs to know what that is. Like, it's not cause you're like scared to go to school or scared this, or like you are only get sick at school. And like, it's cause you have anxiety and you're anxious mm-hmm. and that's okay. And there's ways to work through it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to teach my kids is that it's totally okay to have these emotions. You're allowed to feel what you want to feel, mm-hmm. but how are we going to get through it? So you feel better. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, like it's, and it's so true. And that's why it has to start from like, ha, like literally the second you step into school, it should be in the curriculum because yeah. it's, and it, it's not talking about all of these deep, like talking about self-harm and talking about depression and talking about the, like all of these extremes, it's not talking about those. It's just introducing mental health and becoming aware of how you are feeling 
and that these feelings that you're experiencing it's not just in your head or like essentially it kind of is I guess because it's mental health but no it's like it's real stuff and it's important to start acknowledging and talking about it just from a young age and it like you said how your niece and she talks about the stomach she gets or the feelings she gets in her stomach and with the things that she's experiencing and how she's almost like frightened to go to school because of um, the way that these girls look at her and stuff. And it's like, that's real stuff. And if people are, if these kids are educated on it, then maybe kids will start to be nicer. Maybe kids will start to draw more attention to how they're treating others. And maybe it's just going to make the world a bit of a better place. And everyone's going to be happier and it's it's not saying that everyone has to tiptoe around everyone and like oh I can't do this I can't do this it's like no it's just becoming aware of how you're treating others and the feelings that you're experiencing when in altercations or just in life and that if we're if we're taught the tools and the ways to better ourselves and even just acknowledge all the things that are going on, then we'll be, we'll be so much better off. And we'll, we'll at least know what steps to take when something comes our way, as opposed to just being caught in the dark. Cause exactly. I know, oh, sorry. I know that I was so frightened of seeking professional help because it would, it had this big stigma. Like it, there was, and it was like, everyone looked down on professional help. Now it's changed. Now everyone is like, Oh yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Whatever. Like nobody, like nobody really cares, which is awesome because it's, it's important. And for a lot of people, it's very, very beneficial. And I think it is, it's something that's great. And it's, you can ask a lot more people in public and say, Hey, where do I go if I need to seek help? And they'll direct you in the right direction where as like, and that's more important to bring up in the the younger years and just saying that if you have any problems, like you can go talk to somebody and it's okay. And it doesn't matter how old you are, what you're going through, what your family looks like, mm-hmm. what you're like anything, it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I completely agree. And I like the point that you said about how we can learn to identify those feelings in ourselves when we're younger because I think that's one of the big misconceptions with mental health is that we misidentify those feelings so commonly or push them to the side so commonly. And especially in children, why would you not? Like, you're not gonna sit around and say, oh yeah, my nine-year-old's depressed, but hate to break it to you, mom and dad, when I was nine, I was probably pretty depressed. And that's the conversations we need to start having. So I really like that you said that because I I couldn't agree more. And just the fact that therapy is so destigmatized now. I always say therapy is cool. Therapy is so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's great to just go in a room that's like super comfortable for an hour and just talk about your shit and no one's ever going to find out. No one. You can say whatever you want in there. I mean, point being, um, no one's ever going to find out. And I just love that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. 
And I like that our society has, is starting to come to that point, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I, I want to try in my future with my mental health um, education journey with wanting to educate more people is I want to implement platforms that make therapy more affordable to people. Because that's the one thing that I know people have a lot of struggles with is finding affordable therapy or therapy resources. Um, And I want to put those resources together eventually for people. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that it's amazing. I, cause it is, it, it seems to be a constant stressor for a lot of people is that they want to seek help, but they can't afford it. And that's what is sad. And to see, some companies figuring some stuff out and helping and making it possible is awesome. And it's definitely a step in the right direction, but like, I, I, I love that. I think it's, I think it's perfect. Like I honestly, I, I don't think there's any, anything better to do than allow people to get the help that they need and help them in the ways that are like we deem as proper, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it's, that's awesome. And the help that everyone deserves. Cause that's like something I thought when I was and sick and needed help, I was like, I don't deserve this. Like, look at the shit that I got myself into. Like, I don't deserve this help. Why are you helping me? Um, and I feel another reason people don't reach out is because they feel like they don't deserve to be helped and they don't deserve to be saved. And everyone deserves mental health help. Everyone. I totally agree. Um, so a couple little things before we do wrap it up. I yeah, I just want to ask you, what would be kind of like that, the biggest tip of advice that you would have for somebody that is struggling or may go through some form of mental health struggle in their life? Um, I said it a bit earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Keep going. Um, because that is my biggest thing. No matter how close you feel you are to rock bottom you're not just keep swimming up keep pushing keep fighting keep waking up every day and yeah fighting a good fight because you deserve it and your future deserves it and your family deserves it and your kids if you have kids deserves it and your partner and everyone around you but most importantly you deserve that for yourself to keep fighting for yourself every single day and that's all I have to say about that. I love it. That's no, that's fantastic. And do you have um, do you have a quote or a saying or something that has impacted your life or shaped your life in some form or another? Um, my quote that I like to live by. Um, it's kind of cheesy, <laughs> but <laughs> just uh, I like the saying: "Good things are coming." Um. Yeah in any aspect of life that can be mean, that can mean my job, that can mean financially, that can mean in my relationship, it just good things are coming and keep going. Just keep pushing towards those good things. That's awesome. I love that so much. And for anybody that wants to reach out, have a form of conversation or just check out all the stuff that you have on the go, where could, where could they find you or reach you at? Um, so my Instagram is at McKenna Colleen and I also have TikTok, which is at McKenna Colleen and I have YouTube, which is at McKenna Colleen. Um, but yeah, anyone feel free to reach out, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to chat. I love chatting with everyone. 
That is awesome. That's awesome. And I have to thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing your story, for having some conversations with me. It's been amazing. And to think that this came from one simple, like one simple message of me reaching out to you is spectacular. And I, it just, it blows me away. And it's just proof that there's, there's no shortage of stories and there's no shortage of people like yourself that are willing to help others. And it's, it's an amazing feeling. And just to know that you want to make a difference and that you are willing to come on is, is awesome. So thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so happy I made this connection with you. I know it's going to be a long lasting connection with you. So I'm so mm. pumped. Um, but yes, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for lending me your platform to share my story. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate every single thing that you are doing for mental health. Of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. And like you said, we have to connect. And as soon as all of these crazy, crazy restrictions, I'm coming go- to BC. Yeah, literally. You're coming to BC and maybe I'll make a a trip out to Ottawa and actually enjoy our capital for for once in my lifetime because I've never been, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, I I will for sure. As soon as I don't know when it's all going to be, but it's April now. So maybe who knows, June, July, August. Fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much once again. And we'll, we'll keep in contact and yeah, this was, this was really awesome. Yes. Of course. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of struggle creates strength. I hope everyone enjoyed McKenna's story and I highly encourage you to reach out to her and just have any form of conversation with her because she's an amazing person to talk to. Now, if you do want to reach out to me or potentially come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook. Or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. Now, thank you once again to all those that are sharing the podcast and the episodes with your friends on social media, tagging Struggle Create Strength, it makes the biggest difference and it reaches so many more people, which then leads to helping more people. And at the end of the day, that's why I do this. I am not in this for my own personal gain. I'm in this to help other people and spread stories and allow people to see that you're not alone. You're not the only one that's encountering these struggles and even give people advice, give people tips, There's so much to take from every single person that comes on this episode or on this podcast and every single episode offers something new, a new perspective, a new tip, a new piece of advice. There's so many different things to take from them and you sharing them, you posting them, you doing everything, talking about them, everything makes the biggest difference and I've seen it firsthand. So I thank every single last one of you that are doing it. And if you're not, then what I'm going to ask of you is to start sharing it with other people, start talking about it with other people, because again, it's how we help more people. And that's why 
I do what I do. So with all of that being said, we'll wrap it up right there. And I thank every last one of you for listening and listening all the way to the end. Now, we'll see you next Monday. Thank you.